Welcome to Trending in Education, the Business School Admissions Special Edition. Uh, we are very pleased here to be joined by uh, a couple of friends of the show. So first off, we have Melissa Griffith back. It's been a little while, Melissa. How are you doing? I, I'm doing good. I'm happy to be back on and talking about one of my favorite topics. So I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, and we're talking to one of our favorite people who specializes in that topic, which is graduate school admissions, business school admissions in particular. She's written a really uh, interesting book that we're going to talk about. Liza Wheel is joining us. Liza is the founder of Gatehouse Admissions. Liza, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to reconnect with old friends too. It's like so, a reunion. I, have, yeah. I don't know the last time we've all been together. Yeah, exactly. We all worked <laughs> together back in the day and it's exciting for us to be back together again. And part of what brought us uh, back together, Eliza, is you've written an interesting book, What Matters and What More, 50 Successful Essays. It's about essays of applicants who successfully were admitted to either Harvard Business School or Stanford Business School. Really interesting themes around storytelling and getting to know what resonates with folks who are on the hook for some high stakes admissions decisions. It's something that you've been focusing on of late, Liza. But when we begin with a guest, we always love to get their origin story. So what got you to this point in your professional life? Can you catch us up on what got you to this point? Sure. I think it's a few things. First off, it starts a while ago before I went to business school. I graduated from college didn't know at all what I wanted to do and was fortunate enough to find a role as a business analyst in IT consulting. The truth is I knew nothing about IT consulting. I learned a ton, but all of a sudden realized, huh, am I suddenly going to be an IT person? And nothing against that, just was wondering if that was really the right path for me. So I ended up applying to business school. I applied to only two business schools, Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan. MIT Sloan made a brilliant decision and let me in. I won't mention what the other school decided, but my fate was sealed and it was the right decision. So I went to MIT Sloan, loved it, absolutely loved it. Just loved the experience of being in school again. After graduating, I went into management consulting at Bain & Company, but it was actually there that on the side, I started coaching people. I came in as a post-MBA consultant and then I worked with younger pre-MBA associate consultants who were applying to business school. Mm. So on the side, I just said, hey, if you apply to business school, I'd love to read your essays. Mm. Even then, I just loved hearing people's stories. Yeah. Fast forward, I spent about a decade first in management consulting and then in educational technology mm -hmm. and then decided I wanted to really do this coaching full time. So now I've been at it for over just about 10 years in a full time capacity. Yeah. And the experience and the genuine connections that you make with folks who are trying to pursue their dreams here around uh, business school definitely come through in the structure of the book, which we're going to get into in a bit. Melissa, I'd love to get a little perspective from you as someone who also went through the admissions process to go to business school. And I know you're someone who's also thinking about the future of business school. So any perspective on business school admissions and some of the work that, that Liza and team are doing? Yeah, the work that Liza is doing is amazing. Quite candidly, when I went to business school, and this is uh, one of the things, Liza, I would love to get your perspective on as well. 
I knew nothing about admissions consultant. Uh, I actually knew nothing about that this wasn't even a service that existed. And so I think I got into business school. I spent a lot of time talking to prospective students because I wasn't sure which school I, I wanted to go to. I was looking at Kellogg, NYU, and Columbia or the schools I was addressing, probably one more than you. One of those schools also rejected me. I, I have no idea why, but it, it, it happens. I guess it happens that you don't hit it. But I think it's what you're saying in your book, Liza. You've got to tell a story that resonates with the, the school and the applicants you're going to. And I think I lucked out. Like I went to Kellogg and in hindsight, the story I told, and I still remember the essays, that I wrote to get into Kellogg was very much what Kellogg was looking for. I remember that Kellogg at the time I was going, which is why I chose it, was looking for socially conscious leaders. And as a student coming up in New York City, one of the things I was terrified of, my family are diehard liberals. They resent everything that looks like business to some extent. So much so when I was said I was going to business school, they all were like, seriously, no law, please do law. <laughs> do not go to business school. And I was really worried about becoming one of those people that I did that was just a money grabbing fool. Now I actually wish I'd gone that route because um, <laughs> I, may, I may have made more money. But the point is I taught about that as I was going to business school. And, and so Kellogg ap appealed to me. And the story I wrote on that, what matters more, was I talked about the fact that I didn't just want to go to business school and uh, become a consultant and do this. I wanted to make sure I can get back to the community. And I talked about it per quite personally, my first experience in New York City, where I was on a subway and it was the first time I had to deal with the homelessness in New York City. I can still remember it as a 12-year-old. I'd come to visit New York. It wasn't even when I was living in New York. I'd met this homeless person and she still haunted me that I could travel, I can travel the world and this person was sitting there and I wanted to make sure that everything I did in my life was to give back to that. And that is a story that resonated with Kellogg. It didn't resonate with some of the other schools I went to, but I, I feel that's what you're looking for in an essay connection. But I think it was dumb luck on my part. And I wish I had someone saying to me, this is what you should be doing uh, on your essay. I don't know how you feel about that, Liza. <laughs> I have to say, I got goosebumps when you were telling that yeah. story to me. The role I play is not necessarily telling people what stories they should say. It's helping them dig into the stories that are actually most valuable to them. I don't know if that was luck that you came up with that one. I, if that was really something that was meaningful for you, it probably came across in your writing and was probably the reason why Kellogg did like you. It's just not worth trying to guess what yeah. these schools are looking for. Mm -hmm. But I always think about these stories as when you open, you create these little windows yeah. for yourself, we establish a human connection. As I just said, when yeah. you were telling that story, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's cool. If that was true. It is true. I'm unable to lie like that. <laughs> it is something that I can still remember though, even because it was so impactful in my life. Admissions consultant, do you think it's something that a lot of students know about, or you think it's still something that only certain people have access to? That was your original point. And I yeah. actually think that it is an industry that has grown yeah. a lot over uh, the past 10 years, mostly. I did not know about admissions consulting when I applied to business school. My interview, oh, I can still remember my business school interview. I, I think he That's just good. must have felt sorry for me and said, come on in. Um, <laughs> because I bombed all, I did everything wrong that I now tell my clients to avoid. But, mm. but I think what's been going on in the industry is it actually starts more with the high schoolers who are 
looking for advisors, even if it's just the guidance counselor, to start thinking about colleges, those people have now gotten used to having somebody, an outside expert. So I think business school admissions coaching was behind or trailed high school advising for college, Mm -hmm. test prep. It's the next layer. So it's really started to take hold, I'd say, over the past 10 years, Mm -hmm. also with the prevalence of online testimonials. And there's a lot of online repositories where people can go and search for reviews and resources. So you're not alone in in not having heard about it. I think it's also a, a factor when we apply. What I, I went last year. What are you talking about? <laughs> it does remind me a little bit of further down the road in your career, you may wind up having an executive coach or yes. someone who can help you navigate some of the leadership challenges, or, or maybe you'll have a therapist depending on where you wind up, but or both, but it does seem like this is finding someone at a point in their life where they're making a very big decision and the decision to go to business school, it's two years of your life. And particularly in many of these schools, it's a very dedicated focus full-time and frequently you're also taking on uh, some debt to get through that run. And there's a lot of conversations now about the return on investment around higher education, but also around any formal credential. People are asking more questions about the return there. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on that, Liza, because my understanding is that the return on the top tier schools, even though they are expensive, the return is genuinely there. And there's a lot of research that that indicates that. But I'd love to get more of your uh, perspective on that. Yeah, I often talk to folks that say, I have to get into business school to change my life. I have to get into these business schools. And the reality is there are far too many amazing candidates. There is simply not enough room for Mm -hmm. all these candidates at these schools. And I agree with you, Mike, that the ROI, I think it's great that people are asking these questions because I do think that there is this belief out there. If I go to business school, everything will be better. I'll earn this amazing salary and my life is set for life. And I think that folks should be looking at part-time programs, at executive MBAs, and mm-hmm. online MBAs, because they really are uh, much more cost-effective. I was paying off my school debt for years, yeah. And, yeah. and I went into a very coveted role right after business school and still had those debts um, mm-hmm. weighing me down. It's not a light decision, and you need to probably also consider more than just the, the monetary payoff that you're going to get. But you have to be realistic with yourself and really try to figure out if that math is going to work. And if not, just take some solace in the fact that there are some other routes to getting that boost that you're looking for. And and there's been a lot more soul searching around educational outcomes and trade-offs and opportunities with online learning. But the reality is there are softer returns to the traditional business school experience, particularly in these elite institutions, in terms of the network and the experiences that you have that do set you up for continued success in new ways, which again, full circle comes back to the benefit of having a trusted guide who can help you through this conversation, both to make sure you're applying to the right schools, but then also that your application is making sense And then at the same time, there's more questioning of the standardized tests, Mm -hmm. which makes the essay and your ability to tell your story. Because also, I think the essay does connect to the interview in some ways where 
you need to know who you are and you need to be able to speak coherently that uh, about that. Melissa, any additional perspective from you on this? Just what Liza was saying, it resonates uh, so much with me. When I was going back to business school, ROI was clear for me there. But what I remember coming out of business school is not even the debt, which I, yes, I had amount of debt. Business school fundamentally changed the way I taught. That is not well understood, what uh, like it actually does to the way you structure your thinking. And, and maybe not for everyone, but for me, I, I was an undergrad writing major, uh, theater minor, and business school just taught me how to think strategically and to break things down into logical components. The, the thing I'd ask about the ROI in business is, is that value still there? Is there enough focus on that? Are, are they selling the right thing coming out of business school? Because it should no longer be about the salary you can get. Because quite frankly, you can become an engineer, spend four years of school, go to a boot camp, and sometimes make the same amount of money that you'll make coming out of business school. Mm-hmm. The return for it is not the immediate next job, but how does it set you up to grow in your career, which is what I think I still value from the business school. And Liza, it's a similar question that we've asked on the show before that I would ask you is long-term, do you think the the value is still there as when we went to, to business school and what would you like to see the business schools doing uh, to change what the program means? Because I think they're going to have to eventually. Yeah. One point I want to make is yes, business school. I loved it. I would go back yeah. and, and I'm hearing you say like it, it fundamentally changed you as well. Again, in my role, I sometimes say, and I want us to remember it too. And people who are listening, you don't need business yes. school. Business school is not a panacea. Mm-hmm. And, it, yes. and it's, you can still succeed without it. I see people who believe that this is going to make or break them. And that's only the case if they let it. And yes. I am a fundamentally a believer in people and want them to succeed. So if you're listening to this, you can still find your path forward without it. But definitely go for it if you have that. Let me... Plus one that too, because like uh, people ask me in my current job, I'm like, no, I do not think business school is right for you. I will whole heartily say it was the right choice that I made at the time I made it in life, but you're making a valuable point. Everyone has to evaluate where they are in life and what they're looking to get out of it. Hmm. And the point I'm making is if it, business schools want to survive, they also have to understand the value they're given and figure out how they evolve that as well. Yeah, I, I think business schools, you definitely have, Harvard and Stanford leading the charge in shaping what the business school education looks like. And I think HBS, Harvard Business School does a great job of consistently reviewing its cases, bringing in new uh, cases and cases of leaders of all sorts, which I think is really important. I think they are also putting more emphasis on creating great leaders to your point yeah i of course did not go to these schools nor in the time yeah. frame i mentioned but I think there was this assumption you go to business school and then you get a great job on wall street and yeah. it's all about making millions that's not the message the schools are selling anymore mm-hmm. it is how do you become a good balanced leader who is committed to all stakeholders yeah and that came through very much in the stories that are told through the essays that are really the meat of of your book. Can you walk us through just how to high level, how the book is structured, how you went about pulling it together? And then maybe you could tell us some of the stories of the successful applicants and how they told their story. Because I think that does speak to what you're describing. To my recollection, there weren't a lot of Gordon Geckos who were writing stories about how greed is good (laughs) and I really wanna hit a certain salary right out of business school. But, 
even if the, Gordon Gecko was out there, he was probably savvy enough to uh, masquerade as someone who had a little more of a, a soul. But I'd love to hear more uh, from you, Liza. It struck me as a very personal way to go after business school admissions. And then as someone who wasn't even actively pursuing this, I thought there was a lot to learn from understanding how to tell your story, understanding yeah. to be comfortable with vulnerability. Uh, a lot of the themes that you touched on, I, I think they transcend the specifics of the business school application. But, but I was really fascinated by the work you did. Can you outline that a little bit for us? Yes, especially if you remind me to go back to your vulnerability point later, because it's a really good one. I co-wrote this book with my former colleague and a very good friend of mine, Jeremy Scheinwald, who is the um, founder and president of, of MBA Mission. And we did this in partnership with Poets and Quants. Poets and Quants, if you don't know, it's a media spot destination for people who are thinking about business school. And there's a big community there. And so with Poets and Quants, we asked people who had been successful in applying to these business schools to submit their essays. And we weren't sure what we were going to get, but we got a lot. People were willing to share their essays. And we started reading them. And our goal in this really was twofold. We wanted to share the essays more or less as they were. We have cleaned them up a little bit, disguised them some, but we wanted to share them as they were written so that people could realize, look, these aren't works of art. They're normal stories, normal people. Mm -hmm. So that was one to reassure people that their stories are worth telling. And then the second piece, what my co-author and I did was write a review or a critique of each one, the things that we thought were very effective mm -hmm. um, and used uh, even call outs where show where we thought somebody was doing something really well or creatively, or even maybe saying, eh, we would have actually done this a little different. Mm -hmm. And we look at Harvard essays, HBS essays, and we look at Stanford, the GSB essays, and then we actually have a selection of essays that were from candidates that applied to both schools. Mm -hmm. The prompts are notoriously challenging and to have this window into the same applicant applying to both schools is really fascinating. Certainly was fascinating for me to read as well. Yeah, yeah. If you're applying to both, there, I, I even saw this in the book, there's a logic to it where Stanford has a shorter word count. So I, I think it's mm -hmm. easier to start with a long one, or it depends on how you want to game the system, I guess. Yeah. Right? Unfortunately, there's no gaming of the system of this, Mike. I, let me tell you, I yeah. wish I knew how to, to game the system in this. So this is actually something my colleague and I, uh, we differ on. I believe in starting with Stanford because mm. at the end of the day, the question is what matters most to you and why? And I don't know about you two, but I can't think of any time I have really been forced to answer that question yeah. succinctly for myself. It's a really yeah. hard question to answer, mm -hmm. but to get to that answer, it's such a wonderful journey that yeah. for me, I think start with it because if you have that true North answered, yeah. then any other school you apply to, and you made this point earlier about the interview or job searches, if you know what your true North is, that's yeah. gonna help you communicate who you are. So that's why I always say start with Stanford. Yeah. And then to clarify, Harvard asks, what more do we need to know about you? So assuming we know everything in, so far, yeah. round it out. And then they give you more rope to work with. They give you more words yes. to yeah. put out there. But I did find that fascinating as well, where these are softer recommendations around word count. And there's a lot of 
thought that goes into how much do you actually need to express what you need to express? And then can you go longer? And, and it, that's why I did think there was a lot to learn about the choices successful applicants make for high stakes endeavors. And even the process to your point that you have to go through, which is like life coaching, executive coaching, what do you value? And if you don't know that, you're probably not going to get into these business schools, but you're also probably not going to interview well. You're probably not going to get a good job on the other side. So it's important to reflect on this, which is why I thought the book, while it's hugely relevant to the folks who are pursuing this particular outcome, I was pleasantly surprised how much there was to learn about thinking about yourself, thinking about how to tell your story. And that's where maybe touching on vulnerability, diversity, some of these other elements that I think thematically are, are bigger than business school admissions, but I felt like this was a very distilled and focused way to get at this stuff. So I'd love to get a little bit of your thinking on what works and what is resonating. I'd like to say things are zeitgeisty, what's new and emergent that is probably a little more surprising or insightful about telling your story well, so that you can get to these outcomes that you want. I think one of the things that you just said really hammers home why this book is approachable. Because as you said, the stories, they felt real to you regardless of the outcome. And maybe, or I'm gonna extrapolate from that, something that might've surprised you is how infrequently you saw pure work stories, right? Mm -hmm. Pure boring work stories stories of, I was a consultant. I did these great things at work. I made mm-hmm. a deal. That stuff just, it's, it's very, maybe if you're in that world, that specific office, that's going to be exciting to you. But otherwise, wow, it gets really one-sided yeah. or there's no color to it. And mm-hmm. I think what makes these stories real is that even though you're applying in this case to business school, or if you're in an interview for a job, the things that are inside you, the things that add the color beyond the bullets on a resume that's really what's going to just transcend and stick with somebody long after a conversation or long after they read um, an essay. One of the things we do in this book is break down the different ways applicants can think about telling or structuring their stories. Yeah. And the three different ways we saw people using most frequently, one is a thematic approach. There's an example in this book of a skeptic. He calls himself the ever skeptic, It's Christopher, the ever skeptic. And his whole narrative is how at every point in his life, he asks himself, what am I missing? And in doing that, he has really found fuel and motivation to create change. Mm-hmm. So it's just a nice story of how this asking him, what am I missing? What don't I get here? Can actually pave the pathway forward to making change. Mm-hmm. That's one way. We, the, another way is is a journey. And this one is always very pleasing to read usually because we like a good story. Somebody starts and then there's some middle stuff and there's some growth and some struggles and then they get to an ending. And the the journey of someone's life, of course, the difficulty is what aspects do you choose? Mm -hmm. How do you zero it in on those moments that are most important. And my advice there is don't worry about what you think someone is going to want to hear. Focus on what was most important to you, what the challenges you found and how you got through them. Yeah. 
you'll probably stitch together a pretty compelling journey. Mm -hmm. And we do have some, and I'm happy to talk about it, examples that I thought were really effective of the, the personal journey in this mm -hmm. book. There are a lot. And then another example of, of a, a way of going through an essay is there might be one moment that is just so important to you. It was so defining to you mm -hmm. where you had the leeway of, to talk about anything in your life you want to, but there's this one moment mm -hmm. and an entire essay could be blowing out that one moment. And if it's done well, the reader can extrapolate, can make assumptions of, about who you are because of that, how you've gone through this one story. Yeah. Um, and that and, sounds a little bit like what Melissa yeah. in your example, it sounds like that was the approach that, that you took. Yeah. 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 I mean, although it is what it affects you. I, I think what you're getting out is, I, I have always tried to be vulnerable. And I think that is the point you're right. When you open yourself up, which is a scary thing to do. Because I, I remember thinking that just, and I, I don't know if you experienced this with some of the, the kids that you're helping. I just do not like being judged. Like I know you have to be. And I had this fear of what are people going to think about me when I put it there? Like I, and I think that sometimes causes people to shut down. Oh, absolutely. I think some people say often, I have to show in my writing I'm vulnerable. I'm like, forget yeah. that. Yeah, you can. But mm -hmm. even just writing an essay and laying it out there and being like, this yeah. is who I am, that requires a huge amount of vulnerability. And I see people often hesitate and, and it takes them a while to really give in to, okay, I got to just put myself out there. I mean, it's like anything mm -hmm. else. You're not going to find the, the steps forward that you want for yourself unless you're willing to try and put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 it just, it is uncomfortable a lot yeah. of times. Yeah, because yeah. rejection hurts. And hurts, so yeah. I, I, I applied to an MFA program before I applied to business school and I got rejected from every MFA program. And I actually think that helped me a lot because I think in that application I was trying to play a role mm -hmm. that I wanted to be and I was trying to be this cool artist that I clearly never was and and I think that helped me because with the business school application I was sort of like, this is something I want to do I know I want to do it and I actually had the same viewpoint that you talked a little bit about Liza if I don't get in it's not going to be the end of the world this is one decision I want to do this if this doesn't work out for me I will make my path somewhere else and I think that was super helpful to to me in my approach yeah so. great yeah, and then the other theme that I, I think comes out through the book, and it's another one that we've been talking about a lot on this show, is uh, the importance of diversity and the importance yeah. of getting a cross-section of backgrounds and perspectives, mm -hmm. which uh, is another place where people may not have the self-confidence or they may historically have felt like being full-throated in telling that aspect of their story may be a negative, where if anything, what I'm seeing from uh, these, the stories that you collected here is that in many ways, your uniqueness and whatever challenges you may have faced are in fact strengths. That's right. And I sometimes think, yeah, the, there's an expression of the road most tra traveled. The business schools, I think one of the things that certainly happened during the pandemic when the schools very abruptly had to change, like everybody had to change yeah. the world of Zoom. and these schools invest a lot in marketing and having events, high touch events. Suddenly that was out the window and, yeah. and it was big Zoom events, but they could suddenly reach so many more people because of yeah. that. And, and I think as such, they got a, like this last year, the real numbers haven't come out yet. I don't know when they will, probably not until 
probably about sometime over this coming winter actually. But by all indications, the number of applications to the top business schools were way up. And I think a lot of it is because people could see themselves in this class, in this future class of business school students, which is really exciting to me. Yeah. Do, do you think though, just uh, touching on the diversity a little bit, do you, I, they reach more people, but do you think the ultimate African pool is going to look more di- diverse than uh, previous classes? So I don't know how much it'll continue, but I think there are certain pipeline firms or industries that are always going to every year have a new batch of MBA applicants. But I think what they discovered this year, certainly what I saw in the folks I was advising is they were coming from less overrepresented spots in the school's program. And they did on average, I, they did really well in this process. Yeah. And so now that they have, they'll have their colleagues or their little brother, little yeah. sister start to see that these schools that are untouchable or unreachable yeah. are suddenly more within reach. Yeah. And the flip side, I think also is a new pressure now that the genie is out of the bottle around online education. There are ways to n- not overstate your scarcity of seats when there are new ways to open up access through online tools, uh, in particular because we were almost forced across the the digital divide, hopefully, so that more people throughout the world, including folks who maybe traditionally wouldn't have had access to some of this great transformative Mm -hmm. learning experience that business school can be, now they can get that and they won't necessarily need to uproot themselves and right. relocate. There will be new models that emerge. Uh, we are entering the the future-facing part of the conversation. So I'd, I'd love to get a little more uh, of your perspective or just some thoughts about how you're mentioning on the top of the funnel, the aperture was widened. I, I would be curious over time whether the, the bottom of the funnel is also widening and that there will be more ways to get access to at least the components of a great business school education without necessarily going through the major investment, small group, expensive, high touch, traditional business school model? I absolutely think things will change. If you think about it, these business schools are all fighting for great applicants. And let's be clear, dollar signs, tuition dollars. They want new ways, just like any business or any organization, new ways to fund their operations. And I think the schools will absolutely be taking a look at what worked when they had to do everything over Zoom. Mm -hmm. What can they incorporate in the two-year program as steady state? And then what can they leverage outside of that? A lot of the schools, a lot of the business schools have been offering different mini programs or specialized programs, offshoots that, again, their whole goal is to get more people into their programs. And I think that this will just be the next iteration of that. I know University of Michigan Ross recently announced its online MBA. There are a number of online MBAs out there, but it hasn't been necessarily something that the top, mm-hmm. say, 15, 20 schools have really been dabbling in. Yeah. They recently did. I feel certain that there are going to be other um, schools that are on their heels. Mm-hmm. Also, because in speaking to students in these programs this year, which of course, everything is new and finding and, and making relationships 
relationship with your classmates when you're not in class with them was a challenge, but one that they got over. Yeah. So I think the schools are going to take what they learned of their kids learning virtually, how they still formed relationships and bake that into the online MBA options, which I think will be great. Yeah. I have another question for Liza, because we, we did, we went through a pandemic that forced the online revolution, but we also went through a lot of social unrest and how are the schools responding to that? Because it seems like the, these top business schools can sometimes be perceived as elitist. And so how are they responding to that and how they're looking for applicants and addressing that issue? Let's see. I think there are a few things. Number one, I think they're well aware of that assumption and they're working actively to get around it. Again, I think that's why they're going to be investing in more marketing outreach. You know, we could get, we could talk specifically about certain schools or not, but I think in general, there are going to be focused on bringing more, just making sure that everybody knows about them and has what they feel like a pathway or gateway to those programs. But beyond that, even the questions themselves are changing. And some of this predated this past year, but you know, I think about Dartmouth talk about, I think it was about three years. They changed one of their questions and basically part of their vision statement or their organizational description was, we like nice people. Tell us why you're nice. When have you had to invest in somebody else when it was difficult? Mm. And I think that's a great move on their part yeah. to be like, we, we want nice people. We <laughs> don't want jerks. It's such a small a thing. Great, yeah. But, and then, and and forcing their applicants to write about a time where they helped somebody when they didn't have to, Mm -hmm. some people are going to struggle to answer that. And those are the people they probably don't want to show up. Exactly. It's a good, that's a good question. We're getting close to time here. Any other thoughts for our listeners? Obviously, if they're interested in going to business school, particularly going to some of these top tier schools, uh, they should check out Gatehouse Admissions. Where, Where should folks go? Yeah, you can just come visit us for sure, www.gatehouseadmissions.com. Nice and easy. Sign up for a free consultation. It's a 30-minute session with someone on the team, whatever questions you have on your mind. This process can be really daunting. There's always this uh, question about whether or not do I have what it takes? What schools should I be looking at? I don't have the right stories. Before you make any of those decisions and talk yourself out of that, reach out to us, have a conversation with us. As you can tell, we love what we do. I love talking yeah. to people. So I'm tempted to take the 30 minutes, uh, even though I'm not planning to apply yeah. to, to business school. But that, that's a whole nother problem. We can launch a new business career coaching for you, Liza. We'll come in. You can talk to us, see if you can help us on our journey. As we're wrapping up here, any concluding thoughts, uh, takeaways? From my end, it, my biggest thing, what I loved most about writing this was seeing how many different stories are out there. No two people are the same. It sounds so obvious and not valuable, but you will doubt that when you are applying for a job, for college, for business school, don't doubt your stories. They're all valuable and just have the trust to tell them. That'd be my biggest thing. Awesome. Uh, wonderful conversation. Liza Wheel, the, the founder of Gatehouse Admissions. Thank you so much for joining. This was great. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Awesome. And uh, Melissa, thanks for coming back. It's always lovely to have you here. Hopefully we'll see you more again in the future. I will come back anytime. So thanks everyone uh, for joining and thanks our listeners as always for listening. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, subscribe, share the love. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. 